Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, a podcast about broadband and how it impacts all of us. Join us to learn about the state of the industry and the latest innovations and trends. Connect with the thought leaders, pioneers, and policymakers helping to shape your future through broadband. Join us on Facebook at The Broadband Bunch and see the latest episodes, news, and photos. The Broadband Bunch, as always, sponsored by ETI Software. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Broadband Bunch. I'm Craig Corbin. Thanks for joining us. What began nearly two decades ago as a small microwave network designed to connect branch offices of the F.A. Peabody Insurance Company in Maine has grown into a dynamic communications company serving nearly 70,000 customers across the northern third of the Pine Tree State. After depending solely on wireless and then DSL, Pioneer Broadband embarked on a shift to fiber technology in 2010 with a network that includes a cross-border connection into the Canadian province of New Brunswick. At the helm of the company is a man who immersed himself in nuclear theory, electronics, and information technology while at the U.S. Navy Nuclear Power School. The CEO of Pioneer Broadband, Tim McAfee. Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, Tim. Thank you, Craig. It is so good to talk with you and so excited to learn even more about what's going on at Pioneer. When we talk about broadband technology in a state that is uh, more densely populated by, by trees and foliage than, than people, I know that that means that there are challenges inherent with this pursuit. Yes, yes. It's a big challenge in northern Maine, especially where we have uh, large spaces between all of our people and everybody wants the fastest broadband known to man. Let's go back to the beginning. And, and I made mention of how the, the early days of what is now Pioneer Broadband began uh, with the desire to connect using microwave technology, the branch offices of uh, the F.A. Peabody Insurance Company. Talk about the transition from those early days to what Pioneer is now. Certainly. So as you mentioned, we did start out uh, as a wireless provider. Uh, we built our own microwave network to connect all of our branch offices together in order to save money. And uh, we used the excess capacity to help out other businesses that wanted to share in the internet access. But as time went on, we had really invested heavily in one particular brand, and we decided to stick with that for, you know, having spares and getting used to and expert at that particular uh, piece of equipment. So we, we, we really made a big investment in this one company, and then they went out of business. And so we had hundreds of these installations around our area that were barely keeping people satisfied with uh, our internet connectivity. So we decided to switch to a remote terminal DSL where we co-locate our facilities roadside next to a uh, telephone company um, remote terminal. And we lease subloops from them and put them into our uh, DSLAM 
for DSL. And we did that for a number of years too. And that came with its own challenges when you're dealing with an ILEC and sub leasing subloops from them. Um, and you don't have any control over that physical medium. Once it leaves the cabinet, you don't get to touch it again until it gets to the customer. Right. And that's, you know, it's a difficult thing to, uh, to um, support. And uh, so in, in going through all these pains of microwave and, and DSL technology, we learned from other people um, in and around our area that had dabbled in fiber optics. And we decided that we needed to make a change into something that was going to last a long time, was not dependent upon any one manufacturer and something that would finally give us the speeds that our customers desired. And so we, we switched over to fiber optics. And um, one of the first places that we did that was in our hometown of Holton, where the headquarters is for the company. We had a thousand or so DSL customers that we were paying the ILEC uh, to rent those copper lines. And we did the math and for the amount of money that we were paying them on a monthly basis, we could finance our own fiber optic build in the town of Holton to put fiber to every home and business. And so that's what we did. We, we put fiber to every home and business. And it's, it's been a great thing for our community. It's been a great thing for our company. It's allowed us to really expand out into other communities and do the same thing. Yeah. For those that are not familiar with uh, Maine, uh, Holton, if memory serves, would sit hard and fast on the uh, eastern uh, side of the state. Um, just a hop, skip, and a jump from the, the border with New Brunswick. Is that right? That's correct. We, we are at the end of Interstate 95, right? last exit before Canada. Very good. Very good. Well, obviously, when you made that transition um, to fiber <clears throat> with that kind of uh, service for the the residents there had to be a, a very positive thing for those customers. Talk a little bit about the, the reaction when that became an option for them. Certainly. Uh, the, the way that we poised our rollout for the fiber optics was to keep the price the same as what they were paying for DSL, but give them uh, 100 megabits over 100 megabits as a base package. And, you know, with DSL, they were limited to, uh, with ADSL 2 Plus, we were limited to 20-some megabits per second over one megabit per second in the upload direction. So they go from that to this amazing 100 over 100 connection for the same price that they were paying before. It was really uh, not a tough sell to get them to switch over. Um, the only time we had a hard time getting our fiber installs done were some people just didn't care to change because they loved what they had and they didn't find it necessary to change at all. So we have about, uh, I think it's 12 customers that remain in the DSL platform just solely because they don't want to change anything. <laughs> Understand. All, all the other ones switched <laughs> over to uh, fiber optics and, um, you know, they've, they've really enjoyed it immensely. It's a, it's a great change for them. And, uh, and it's definitely been seen in the last few months uh, that it's been beneficial for them to have that, upload connectivity that they didn't have before. I know that when we deal with the world of fiber, having a, a great um, network is key. And in Maine, you got <clears throat> phenomenal 
opportunity to uh, to tap into what's known as the three ring binder, and it's not something you you put papers in, but boy, it's a, a very robust optical ring topology uh, design with more than 1,100 miles of open access fiber, and I think uh, 144 strands. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Interesting. And talk about what portion of that um, infrastructure Pioneer currently utilizes. So the three ring binder has three um, overlapping rings. They overlap around the University of Maine in the center of the state. We take the northern ring and the down east ring and put them all together into one just over 400, 400 miles of, of fiber that we utilize in a ring. And uh, that serves um, our area from Bangor, Maine to Fort Kent, Maine. Bangor is about in the middle of the state. Fort Kent is the very top of the state, the very, very top, even further north than Holton. So that's the area that we uh, serve on. And the Three Ring Binder is an open access network. So any provider that wants to tap into that can lease dark fibers on a, uh, a 5, 10 or 20 year lease. And it's very affordable. And it makes investing in some of these smaller towns easier than having to pro- get a circuit provided by a telco provider or another provider. That is phenomenal. And, you know, one thing that I had forgotten to uh, to mention when you, you talked about um, the initial project there in Holton, if memory serves, uh, you've got fiber to the home for virtually every single resident of the city. It's pushing 99%. Did I yes. remember correctly? Yes, that's right. There, there are just a couple of small streets that, for whatever reason, we didn't build out to. But uh, yeah, we're at like ninety-eight and a half percent. I think is the is the uh, coverage rate for the town of Holton. That is awesome. Yeah. Now that's what's going on now. But obviously, the early days of uh, Pioneer Broadband uh, were. Uh, a bit of a challenge, I'm sure, from a manpower standpoint. And take us back to, to day one when um, just you and one other guy were getting it all done. Yeah, yeah those, were, those were fun times. Um, so the, the other person that founded the company with me, his name's Carter Kenny. And uh, Carter and I were high school and, and elementary school friends. So we knew each other. He went away to the Army. I went away to the Navy. And we came back home and started this thing. But uh, it, was, it was an interesting day. We'd get up. Most of the time, we'd do our technical support callbacks. We'd do a few sales calls on the telephone. And then in the afternoon, we'd go out and do uh, tower climbs and residential and commercial installations of fixed broadband uh, with wireless antennas and dishes on the side of people's homes and businesses. And uh, so that was kind of how we, we ran our lives for the first few years. We worked a pretty tight schedule from sunup till way past sundown. And uh, we were the tech support guys, the sales guys. We were the HR people and, and the payroll people. We, we did everything. And uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting time for sure. And I understand that at some point, as far as the division of labor, it was determined that uh, Carter might have been a little more willing to do those tower climbs. Is that right? Carter is the person that doesn't mind heights. Uh, <laughs> I am the person that is deathly afraid of heights. So you know, being in the wireless business, if I wasn't going to climb a tower, I had to find somebody that could. 
<laughs> that is great. This is the Broadband Bunch. We are visiting with the CEO of Pioneer Broadband, Tim McAfee. And, uh, you know, looking back at, at, at those days, I know that it were, you know, long days, long hours, but it had to be rewarding pretty early on when you realized that you were uh, providing such a vital service for your customers and knowing what the response was from them. Talk about that. Yeah. And in the early days, we had uh, broadband wireless internet in towns that didn't have cable TV and nor did they have uh, DSL at that time. So we were the first broadband in a lot of these smaller communities in Northern Maine. But because of the onset of DSL and the cable technologies over the years, that wireless stuff that we were using back then just couldn't keep up with the speeds that they were willing to provide with wireline services. But being the first guy in a town to, to put broadband into a business or, or a house, we were pretty popular for a little while. I mean, people would see us at the gas station or at the Walmart or whatever and be like, hey, you're the broadband guy. When's it coming to my town? And, and that's pretty exciting stuff. Well, you know, that's been uh, a primary focus of your organization, making sure that you can build as much fiber as you can for as many municipalities um, across the state. That, I know, is rewarding both personally and professionally. Yes, it is. Yeah, we, we've uh, we've got we've had the opportunity to get in front of a bunch of different organizations. We've been in front of um, economic development people that want to do better uh, by their by their towns and, and their constituents as far as broadband is concerned. We've been in front of town councils and boards and we've been in, in front of private investors who determined that maybe they want to be the people that fund the mechanism that brings uh, fiber optic to their entire community. So being involved in that is really exciting uh, for me personally and my team that works with me. I've got uh, a team of three other guys that works with me with fiber business development and engineering. And, um, you know, no two communities in Maine are the same. No two communities anywhere are the same. And everyone presents a little bit of a challenge. And we really like that challenge. We like to be able to go in and sit down with a with the municipality and and say, what is it that you want? You know, what, what do you have now? What do you want? Where, where do you see us playing a part? Or do you see us playing a part at all? This is what we've got to offer. And um, a lot of the time, we, we are um, sharing information for free. And sometimes we get rewarded with contract. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, you, you talk about the, the challenges of Customer relationships, government relationships, regulatory concerns. There's so much that that comes into the picture of being a, a provider. Uh, and, of course, uh, a big part of the equation, obviously, is funding when you look at uh, expansion opportunities. Talk about what the, the current state of affairs is with regard to, uh, to funding uh, as pertains to Pioneer Broadband. So we use the Connect Main Authority funding mechanism, which is a broadband strategy group that was formed by the legislature of the state of Maine back in 2010. And, and since that time, they've given out numerous grants. They usually have one or two funding cycles per year. Um, so we've been uh, the award recipient of several grants, totaling upwards of $2.5 million since 2010. 
and we used that money to build fiber optics and some DSL in the early days out to some of these smaller communities. We also um, are a privately financed organization, um, the FAP body company, our parent company, and, and our holding company uh, has a lot of the uh, funding mechanisms that we use for private capitalization builds and, and uh, you know, some of the things that we want to do without grant money. So, uh, and we're looking at the, um, the RDOF remote auction in October as a means of getting into some of these smaller areas that just are such high cost that even the Connect Main Authority doesn't have enough money to give us to build out in those areas. And we certainly can't find a, a business model that works. And with the, uh, with the RDOF funding, um, we have a better chance of developing some of those smaller communities. Excellent. I know that there, from a technological standpoint, uh, obviously things change rapidly, uh, but a big part of uh, what you do uh, really depends on uh, geographic information systems, the GIS data. Talk about that a bit, if you would. Yes. Uh, so having access to GIS data from um, the, the different towns and our own customers allows us to do a lot of things that we couldn't do back in the early days. Um, you know, looking at rooftop surveys and stuff on a Google map is one thing, but having uh, the, the geospatial data in front of you where we can draw polygons around certain communities and estimate how much money it's going to cost to put fiber in them um, you know, using things like the Vetro Fiber Map tool and ArcGIS, uh, very powerful for us. We can we can snap a line or snap a polygon down and grab a bunch of um, points on the map and say, We're, we know how much this is going to cost and we know how, how much it's going to take to uh, to get it back and, and in what time frame, what return on investment we're going to have in a matter of seconds. You know, it's a 10,000 foot view. It's not detailed, but we can just go in there and grab that and say, okay, we need to consider this area in our next year's budget, or we need to consider this area for grant funding, or we need to uh, go to the community and see if they want to do anything. And, and so, yes, uh, definitely GIS is very powerful and, and important. It's even more important to have good GIS data. <laughs> right. You know, we've, we've had instances where uh, we get downloads from cities or towns and the data is just not any good. As a matter of fact, we just finished a project in which we had to go to every single household and get the GPS points manually um, because the GIS data was so bad, <laughs> but we needed it. We needed to have it because we use that data for service locations in our own management system. So That is great. I know that one of the uh, trends now is to look for partnerships, relationships uh, in many different ways to, to better serve areas of your footprint. And among them, uh, I think a relationship with uh, utilities uh, in order to uh, provide pole rights, the ability to build in public right-of-way. Talk about that and how uh, that impacts what you're doing at Pioneer. So our, our most recent um, project that we've been dealing with for the past couple of years, uh, the Down East Broadband Utility Project in Callis and Bellyville, Maine, uh, they formed a broadband utility 
and towns actually fronted the support, um, the fiduciary support in, in the form of a, uh, a municipal bond. If for any reason the utility fails, the municipal bond would cover that expense. So they looked at this as a as a uh, an infrastructure piece, like they much much like they would with water and sewer. And having that utility, they have the ability to attach to poles, and they can um, they don't have to be a telephone provider, which is a recent change in in our state. Um, in order to attach to poles, you had to be a cable TV provider, or you had to provide telephone service. And a recent change came, uh, I don't know how many years it was ago, but it, it's been recent, that allows for a dark fiber provider. And then another uh, change was the allowance for broadband utilities. So they kind of put those two things together to get the, the best bang for their buck. And now those two communities have fiber optics available to every one of their homes and businesses as well. And they own, the town owns the infrastructure and allows open access to the dark fiber network where any provider can come in and provide any service they want over that fiber optic medium. That is so great. So it really is a good, um, it's, it's a great um, idea. It's, you know, there are customers on the network now. It's, it's starting to bear fruit. Um, a lot of people are looking at it. You know, they're, they're wanting to see whether it's going to succeed or fail. Uh, in, in the way of generating revenue. And uh, fortunately, at this time, there are hundreds of customers on it. So it is producing revenue. And it's a, it's a very, uh, very exciting thing to be part of. We were asked by the communities um, to come in and take a look at what they had. And we asked them, you know, why don't you talk to the ILEC and the, the cable company? And they said, well, we have. And they, they had literally brought them to the table and said, we'll go find the money will you build this for us? And they were told, no, that's not what we do. And so they took it upon themselves to find somebody who'd do it for them. And thank goodness Pioneer Broadband was there. Ta-da, there we are. (laughs) (laughs) And if memory serves, you're talking about upwards of 3,000 homes that will have access to the internet because of this multi-year effort. That's correct. Anybody that has a, a utility pole that that serves their home because we're all aerial here in Northern Maine. We don't have a lot of underground. So anybody that has a utility pole that serves their home with electricity or telephone or both gets access to the fiber optic network. One of the things that we always um, look at when we visit with providers is the interaction with your customers. And uh, as everyone is keenly aware, the last 90 plus days, have thrown a, um, a wrench into the, the norm with regard to uh, on-site interaction. And I know that presented a challenge for everyone, but um, Pioneer, very uh, strong forethinking with regard to how they could make installation easier, quicker. And I want to know more about this self-install project that evidently has been extremely well received and very successful. Yes. Uh, when, when it came time to stop going to people's houses, the phone didn't stop ringing. 
people still wanted us to come install. And, you know, we said, we just can't do that right now. We're going to look into different ways to help out, but for right now we just can't do installations. So while we were contemplating what our next move was going to be, we had our technicians working down through our sales list and doing all the outside work that they could do. They were hanging drops on the sides of houses and checking them off the box. And while this was going on, my core team back at the office was saying, we've got a lot of installs that are happening, but we're not getting any revenue because we can't get inside the house. What do we do? So we came up with the idea of um, putting together a self-installation kit that comprised of the indoor interface, which uh, is a, it's a white plastic box that holds a, a duplex adapter for the, the fiber optic cable. And it also has a, a mechanical um, fastener that, that holds the drop cable in there from moving around. So we, we reinforced all that, spliced up an end on that, put it in the duplex adapter, put it all together so that it couldn't be torn apart easily, wrapped, it, wrapped up 50 feet or so of cable, zip tied it together, and then made a, an instruction sheet and a video as to how to do this thing and said, okay, we have a self-install kit. All the customer has to do is push that out through the wall to us, wherever they drill their hole or find a hole, and we'll do the splicing outside. And then they just have to turn on the equipment and plug it into the holes that, that we have on this instruction sheet. They can do it. And we've had children and we've had um, housewives and we've had, um, you know, people uh, the, that senior citizens, you know, they, they really wanted their broadband. So they did the self-install themselves and, and they really enjoyed it. Uh, there were, it was not without challenges, but um, at least we were able to get people what they needed. We had teachers that needed to teach from home. We had doctors that needed to be able to do things from home. And we told them, we can't go to your home, but we can provide you with this self-installation kit if you choose to use it. And it became very popular right before we were able to go back to going inside homes. <laughs> but you, we are going to keep it around. And we've, we've um, got a second revision of that that's even easier to use with some product from Clearfield, the pushable fiber. And so we're, we're making those kits up now and, and considering that our Rev2 for the self-install kit. That is exciting. You mentioned a couple of things that obviously uh, have been of great importance over the last several months. The need for distance learning, the need for folks to, to work remotely, um, telehealth. And uh, I'm sure that that has probably translated into a substantial increase in the amount of traffic on your network. What's what's the the feel of that? Yeah, since uh, March fifteenth, uh, right around the March fifteenth time frame, we've had uh, about a seventy five to eighty percent increase in overall bandwidth usage on our network, and uh, it's it's really interesting because you can tell it, when I pull up my graphs in PRTG, I can I can tell you when people started staying home. And I can tell you when they started going back to work. Right. <laughs> it is a huge change in the amount of our standard bandwidth that we that we normally use. Um, so we can definitely tell that people were were doing the things that they needed to do using our connection. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, telehealth um, 
occurred. We heard from a lot of people that said, thank you so much for having such a great internet connection because I couldn't do my telehealth on my last provider's connection. And, um, you know, those kind of things are, you know, that's why we do what we do. Uh, you know, we like the game and watch Netflix and all that stuff too. But if you can change somebody's life for the better, um, that's a pretty neat thing. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Out of curiosity, uh, take yourself back to when you were uh, studying at the Navy Nuclear Power School. Would you ever have envisioned winding up leading a company like Pioneer Broadband doing what you're doing now? <laughs> no, I, I, I did not. I mean, uh, it's interesting. My career path has changed a couple of times when I when I got out of high school, I really wanted to go to uh, the Air Force Academy and I wanted to be a test pilot. That's what I wanted to do. I was young and foolish. And I actually got a nomination from our uh, a senator and my liaison officer lost that information and said, we'll resubmit it next year. And I said, no, I think I'm just going to go join the Navy. <laughs> so, when, you know, getting to the Navy and learning about nuclear technology and, and electronics, I never dreamed that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. I thought maybe I'd be a, a technician fixing medical equipment or, you know, uh, whatever, something different. Sure. I figured the electronics technician portion would be what I would leave the Navy with and, and really run with. But it was really the, the computer skills uh, and the, uh, the, the, the basic introduction to microprocessors and computers that I really grabbed onto and said, I like this whole computer thing. And, uh, and I learned networking in my last at sea tour by, I had a whole bunch of those hardcover books that you, if you remember from the nineties, the big Novell CNA and uh, CNE books and the, the Microsoft certified professional books, the great big thousand page ones. You know, I, I read a lot of those things on my last sea uh, tour and I came back home, never building a network. I never built a network before. And I had a customer that asked me to build a, a little peer to peer network. And you can ask my wife, I was just miserably sick for days. I think, how am I going to do this? I have no idea. <laughs> But I, I put it all together and, and built the, my first peer-to-peer -peer network for a, a small um, pet store. And uh, I guess I haven't looked back since then. Now we're managing big, wide area networks and, and inter-networks. So. You know, you've seen so many changes uh, over the years at Pioneer from a technology standpoint. Uh, take that proverbial crystal ball and uh, gaze five, ten years down the road. Uh, what do you envision for the world of broadband technology? Well, I, I think that the, the realization that fiber is uh, king is going to be um, definitely uh, proven. I think that uh, in, in 10 or more years, we're going to look back and say, why didn't everybody have fiber before? Um, and I think that there's going to be so many new and exciting things that we can do, things that haven't even been dreamt of yet over this technology. I, I like to read about the amount of data that can get transferred over a fiber optic cable in their test labs. And, you know, it's phenomenal. The amount of, the amount of data that we can push across one piece of glass. And then I step back and I look at my network and I see how many pieces of glass I have and for how many miles they run. And just so many things that can be happening inside that glass is just amazing to me. So, you know, we've changed as a society because of this pandemic, but technology 
was there to save the day. And a lot of people that didn't really think much about technology got immersed into it immediately. And I think that that's, you know, going to be another uh, part of what's to come is we're going to be doing things differently now. I mean, when you look at like cartoons like the Jetsons where they're, you know, they're video phoning, we're, we're doing that now. You know, we don't yes. realize it. You know, we're doing it. Um, it. It doesn't look just like they, you know, they did, but it, we're, we're now doing that stuff in, uh, you know, wrist communicators and, and, and whatnot, you know, Apple phones and small, small phones and watches. And it, it's, it's amazing to me what technology can do. And it's amazing to me what can be done that we haven't even thought of yet. Absolutely. As we wind down our visit uh, today with the CEO of Pioneer Broadband, Tim McAfee, uh, there are always stories that are notable, memorable for one reason or another uh, when we visit with with folks here on the Broadband Bunch. And uh, I'm sure that uh, if you go back far enough, back to the days when you were uh, doing those installs, there there probably were some interactions with uh, dogs that might have created a memory or two. I think there's a, a three-legged dog story in there somewhere. There is. If you'd like to hear the three-legged dog story, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, doing an installation with, with one of my uh, employees, and he was in the bucket tightening things up on the house. And he said, I'm pretty much done here if you want to go in and get the paperwork signed. And I had seen this dog before, and I've never been a really big fan of dogs because I got bitten when I was a kid. And I, I kind of steered clear of him. But I needed to get the paperwork signed so we could move on to the next location. And the entrance to the home was around back, and the dog was laying on the second step up. And I thought, I'm not going to disturb this dog. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That was what went through my mind. Now it sounds funny, but I stepped over the dog and he came undone and just started growling and chasing me. And uh, the guy in the bucket got a really big kick out of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that you were agile that day. I, I was agile. I wasn't going to let him catch me, but it was really a dumb thing to do. <laughs> Tim, we greatly appreciate uh, all that you have done. Uh, over the years at Pioneer, the great work that uh, is going on, uh, the focus on connecting municipalities, their constituents, customers all across uh, the great state of Maine, and uh, so glad to have learned more about the work that is going on, and I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Broadband Bunch. Well, thank you so much for having me, Craig. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. And on behalf of everyone here at the Broadband Bunch, I'm Craig Corbin saying thanks for letting us be a part of your day. We'll see you next time right here on the Broadband Bunch.